Hello, everybody, and welcome to I Spit on Your Grades, the doppelganger slash twin episode. You are listening to the dulcet tones of me, Faye, accompanied beautifully by Christopher. Hello. And Mercer. Hello. How are we on this fine September evening where our bodies are melting? Good. I'm really tired. And also, I don't know if you're having it, but there's like fireworks going off constantly for some reason, which is like driving me crazy. I've not heard them, but this is going to be no good for a podcast at all. But Sheffield Star were reporting on them. Um, Apparently, there's been a lot of celebrations and people were complaining about the fireworks. But again, no good for this podcast. So I apologise for local news, for Sheffield local news there. Have we been up to anything else? Of course we have. What am I saying? We managed to acquire celluloid screens tickets. They were like gold dust. They actually were. Uh, 50% capacity, it was going to happen. So sorry to anybody out there who didn't get one. Truly sorry, but we did. Um, It is your fault that they didn't get one fair. It's totally my fault. They bought 33 tickets. She did. (laughs) She didn't. She didn't. I bought the limit, thank you very much. I just happened to be the first in the queue. That was all. Yeah, to be fair, we were there at quarter to eight in the morning queuing to get Mm. our I'll sell you a screams ticket. That we were. And because of that, it was also nice to meet Dan Popomatic, finally. We actually got to sit down and have a chat and a pint, and it was nice. And not get into an argument about it follows. Uh, yes, and not get into an argument about it follows. Anything else? I went to see everybody's talking about Jamie. Okay. The film, not the player, which I've seen, like, multiple times. Loved it. There you go. I'll end on that. Short and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't think any of us have watched a great deal this past week. Season everyone's mentally busy. Seems it's the season as it starts getting into the autumn. And for some reason, work just goes absolutely nuts and you seem to find time hard to come by. We're preparing for that spooky shit. That's what's happening. Spooky season, bitches. Should we jump right into this episode? Or should we do some feedback? Shall we do some... As is the way, yeah. always, that I always remember. Shall we maybe stick to the format of the show and get some feedback from everyone who was nice enough to actually reply to us? We asked you, what your favourite twin? slash doppelganger films are. Some odd answers amongst the usual suspects as well. It's twins in there. No, I was hoping it was going to be. Corpse Bride and Noel underscore Kelly said, Caroline has the most superbly creepy doppelgangers. I have only seen Caroline once and I cannot remember anything about it having doppelgangers. It has the weird buttons for eyes family that live through the, the tunnel. So she has a normal family and she goes to visit the alternate universe where there's a weird family and they've all got buttons for eyes. Right, thank you for so aggressively explaining that to me, Chris. Cheers. <laughs> and then I said, oh, you see, that's, a, that's the one thing that people would take away from the fact they watched Caroline, how creepy the other family were. I thought it was just like an alternate universe sort of thing. I thought that's what it were. At Mr. Underscore Blunderbuss has come in with E-Blast from Army of Darkness. Has been up there for me. Everyone's really getting on board with people's opinions. <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, it's late at night, we're tired. People must be wondering why they fuck, they must be sitting there listening to the episode and going, I'm not going to fucking bother next time. And to be honest, I wouldn't blame them at this point. Saltier Popcorn, my favourite has already been mentioned, but I'll mention The Broken. Basket Case is obviously a strong contender, and I suspect a Tweak 81 will be pushing something much more recent. Hmm. 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 I wonder. Also, I will jump in on this one and say The Broken is actually really good. Oh, I don't know if you've seen it. No, I've never seen The Broken. And just the last couple. So 
Renzelen, at Renzelen, says lots, but Cloud Atlas must have the record number of doppelgangers. Again, <laughs> something I haven't seen. It pro- be fair, it probably does, not quite in our wheelhouse for this uh, this episode, though. Mm. So, Sandy, at Sandy75Mars, the twins in Dead Ringers, definitely. Okay. Okay, yeah, it's Sandy, thanks, Sandy. I've never seen Dead Ringers, can you believe it? I just know it's Jeremy Irons. I'm, I'm saying okay to mask the things I've never seen. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> right, so we have a lot of just, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So Sam, 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 at the Wicker Sam, asks, does Cam count? Yes, Cam definitely counts. Yes. Cam is great. Ooh, love Cam. Does it count? Yeah. It's like a eye replication of the main character rather than a, like a, a spiritual replication? I'm saying... Still, still a doppelganger. Yeah. Anything that anything that essentially takes their form in some way, shape, or form, I'm allowing to be classed under doppelganger. So just like a mirror count. If it's if it's alive, I guess. Yeah. Because you look in a mirror, it takes your form, right? I'm just being pedantic, Chris. You are. You are. Yes. <laughs> and we're not. We're not, we're not watching Keith Sutherland's mirrors. Never. No yeah. Although saying that, could have had Poltergeist three. Could have technically could have had Poltergeist with the chicken face. With the meat in the bathroom. Using either the pot, using either those podcast. I'm like, sorry, John. I'm just being pedantic. Welcome to the angriest episode of Watch on Your Grades. But yeah, I think using either the poor guys films would have been probably stretching it a bit for doppelgangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame we couldn't include twins though, because you know having Danny DeVito as a brother is pretty terrifying. <laughs> Tonight is your night, bro. Anyway. Twins is great. Twins is great. Is it on Marlon Wayans in the new one as well? I saw the other day. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. Is it Marlon Wayans in Thirty Rock? No, it's Tracy Morgan. But so far, I read Marlon Wayans. It might be Trace. Either way, is I'm pretty sure it's Thirty Rock dude who is playing the third twin in the sequel. Okay. So I'm not sure they're going to explain the age difference because obviously Schwarzenegger and DeVito are about thirty years old, forty years older. Also, just a quick question. If it's a third twin, does that actually just mean triplet? I didn't write this first script, John. <laughs> <laughs> right to Danny DeVito. He'll sort it out. Shall we go on with these films? Yes, let's do that. Yes. Yeah, do it. And I'm going to go first. And do you know why I'm going first? Because chronologically, it makes sense. <laughs> well done, Mercer. It does. You quite. You are right. Well done. It does. Now, in the past, we've been accused of not always sticking like rigidly to the genre. I would like to believe that there's no way anybody could turn around and say my film does not stick to this genre. I've gone with Avi Nesha's 1993 Drew Barrymore vehicle, Doppelganger. Yes, that is right, Doppelganger. The story of Holly, who is haunted by a doppelganger, air quotes, who is just trying to live a normal life, but yeah. Things prevent her from doing so. Faye has got a face on her. Like, I want to end this recording and pretend that she does not exist. Oh, mate. (laughs) We have some things to unpack, but I'll allow you to go on your defence, first of all. There's no defence. I I love this film. So I'm a massive Drew Barrymore fan, as we all know. So I just, genuinely, I don't think she can do anything wrong, even when she does. Even when she does wrong, I still go, yeah, love it. Love it. Bad choice, but love it. I actually think she's really good in this film. She's still got, like, she's almost breaking out of a bad girl image, but still maintaining the bad girl image with the way that the character is. 
I, I just quite like it. And I think everyone's actually really good in it. Obviously, you disagree. Right. I can see you disagree. Okay. Okay. Tell so, me it's not that I hated it. I, I had a fun time with it. It's the kind of film that you want to have fun with at, like, 11 o'clock at night after some beers because it's batshit crazy. But if you take it for what it actually is, it comes across as a made-for-TV trashy kind which which is you know that's your mo that's what you go for all the time that's what you love no i'm I'm not being disrespectful i'm just spitting facts that's what it is i just i thought the dialogue was fucking awful man it was so bad like that best friend straight away is she getting paid by the word because the amount of speed that was coming out of her mouth with dialogue all right so let's just like in context this is a 90s film Think of best friends in the 90s and how speedy and much they talk. Think of fucking Chandler in Friends. Like, that's just the kind of character that she is and that's the way that she comes across. Oh, I personally love her. And that, that would have been fine had she been riffing off somebody else. But she wasn't. It was just her. She was the only person doing it. Everyone else was acting at a normal speed. She was in times three. It's like this conversation we're having now, Faye, where you're just running away with yourself and not riffing off anyone. Do you know what I mean? So it no. does happen. It's a realistic thing. Also, I just want to go, just want to revert back to something you said when you said, I'm spitting facts. No, you're not spitting facts. You're spitting opinions. There is no fact to what you're saying. See, this is a bad film. I'll take you criticising Astronaut's Wife forever and Sunday because I don't really care about them people. This is my Drew. But regardless... <laughs> She's getting 100 points off each of you and an A-star. End of discussion. I understand this is Drew, and I know you love Drew, and I get all that, and yeah, I love the girl too. I think she's brilliant. She's funny, she's sweet, she's kind, she's a great... She, she is a great actress. In this, I didn't find that to be the case, but she wasn't my problem in this film. At no point was Drew Barrymore my problem. My problem was the script, because Jesus fucking Christ. It was... Terrible mercy. You cannot deny how bad the script is. The setup and the, the sets are just bizarre anyway. Like he's got all these paper clippings all over his head. Oh my God, the way it's directed as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Take, take a breath and maybe pick one thing you want to talk about with the film. First of all, I would like to talk about the script. What is wrong can. with the script? It is not good. I did not care. I did not care for it. I thought it was really out of place, and they'd focusing on having conversations on minor characters before they got. I mean, this could, you know, be attributed to directing as well. But the, when they're in the cafe, for example, and she's talking to him about meeting up with these exec guys, right as they're practically in their face, pretending like she hasn't seen them to go, "Oh, hi, Todd!" Like straight away, and it's and. If you drank every time she said his name, what was his name? Patrick. Patrick. If you drank every time she said Patrick, you will be pissed within three minutes because his name was inserted in every single line in that scene. To help us familiarise with him and (laughs) harmonise him with the audience. I knew his name was Patrick after the first 54 times, Mercer. I forgot. I forgot, you see. So I needed this. I needed this constant reminder that Patrick was Patrick. I'm just going to say at this point, Again, anything I'm saying is not an attack. I had fun with the film. I truly, truly did. I just think it's batshit. I liked it for all the wrong reasons. Okay, so I'm going to hold my hands up. I love this film. 
we know I love this film, we know why I love this film, and we know the kind of films that I typically love. They're on, they're on both ends of the spectrum. People either think they're fucking dog shit, or they are actually incredible pieces of cinema. I fully anticipate everybody in the world to go, he's picked another dog shit film. But I don't care, because I genuinely enjoy the story. I genuinely enjoy the performances. I love, like, the use of lighting in the film. It's very kind of Suspiria with the I, reds and the greens yeah, and the blues. Yeah, I said this, yeah. Um, but it's very much like, you know, trying to pull off influences. I love the fact that Drew Barrymore's mum's in it and gets murdered and that Drew gets to kill her, considering they went through, like, that, you know, irreconcilable differences, divorce and everything, where she um, emancipated. Is it emancipated? Yes. Emancipated. Yeah like her parents so the fact that you know we've seen this turnaround I think Drew looks gorgeous in it I think she looks absolutely stunning I also think she does quite well at like you know let's be honest she's not the greatest actress in the world there's something about her that draws you to her but she's not the greatest actress I agree you know? I know I think it's some, it's some in a late in like a 2000 stuff she is a good actress I like her in like boys on the side and such and um yeah. She's, she's. I think she's very much more of like, like almost a character actress rather than like, yeah, you know, yeah. like a bloody Jodie Foster or Meryl Streep. Is she? She's, you know, she's very much. It got a lane and she's in it, but I think she does a decent job in this film of almost separating the two characters. I, I don't, I don't disagree with you on that. Hundred percent, don't disagree with you. I like that. I think Drew Barrymore is the least problematic thing about this film. It's everyone else around her. Who's just off the taste? They come across yeah. as mental. Like, for, for example, the, 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 there's the scene where, I mean, everyone seems to be hamming it up so much. Like, the, the best friend, the best friend slash ex of Patrick, 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 Patrick. I can't deal with her at all. I hate her as an actress and I want to punch her in the face. But even to like the side actors as well. So there's a scene where they're at the party and you are quite right. Drew does do a very good job of differentiating between the two and she's there getting all sexy and everyone's watching her at a party like that would happen anyway but the one guy who's dancing I'm gonna have to put a video accompanying this episode because it's like oh, what is going on <laughs> jumping onto that dance scene like there's there's like a few dance scenes in the world that I would like turn myself inside out for and that's one of them I absolutely love that dance scene and I love that song okay. um and I love that moment in that film because I think it's you're right, it's a bit bizarre, but I love it. And I love Leslie Hope. I'm really shocked that you didn't like Leslie Hope because I yeah. thought she was epic in this film. Oh, hey, she her. just she as you say, she just delivers the dialogue uh pace that is completely out of sync with everyone around her. It's weird. It's very, very weird. And the fact as well, like when when Patrick has because, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, just to explain a little bit, if you haven't seen Doppelganger, which I'm sure most of what I'm explaining, is that she uh Drew Barrymore moves in with him, Danny from Friends. Patrick. Patrick, but Danny from Friends yeah. moves in with him um, and things start going fucked up and he notices that she, well, she tells him that she's got a doppelganger and he's kind of going along for the ride without fully believing her at first. But there's a scene quite, well, I said quite early on, there's a scene at the beginning-ish where they end up um, having sex on the floor. And it just baffles me that, you know, whilst they're having sex, the windows are flying open and all the paper's going everywhere and his apartment is getting fucking wrecked. And there's a tree having a and wank. And there's a tree having a wank watching him. He doesn't stop. He just carries on. Also, that's Holly as well. So she tried, she then blames it on the doppelganger, but mm. it 
it's physically impossible to have sex with a doppelganger because when we see who the doppelganger is, it's not going to work, is it? No. Um, but that is hilarious. And you can see, like, when she first tells Mosh, she gives, like, a look as if to say, yeah, I fucked up, but I've got to cover my back. And it's almost like she's, like, it's a bit, I think it might be a red herring in the film to try and make you go, oh, she's trying to create an alibi for right. herself um, because she is the crazy one. Maybe. And Treasure's in it as well. Yes. And I love that scene. And again, for 1993, I think it's fucking awesome the way that it, they, she comes out, they give her that sexual harassment and she turns around and she stands up for herself. And like fucking Wimpy Patrick's in car going, no, oh, quickly, come on, let's go. And she's like, uh, hang on a second, would you speak to your sister like that? Yeah. And, the, and I love the way when he's like, says, oh, my sister won't be dressed like she's wanting it. And she's like, oh yeah, I understand. And then needs him in the balls. I think it's amazing. And I think that's a, a strong moment for female <laughs> in film. <laughs> that's I, dramatic. But in 1993, you know, you know, I don't know. I just think it's good to have her. And it wouldn't surprise me if that were her opinion, because I think she's very opinionated. Maybe, uh, yeah. So anyway, obviously, we've not done any real story explanation. But as you say, she's a doppelganger. Basically, she receives a monthly check from a father who passed away who sexually assaulted her is what we find out um, as did every other male in her life from her lawyer to her psychologist they all abused her sexually uh, mm. and mentally um, but yeah the, the concept is she's the, she gets a monthly check as do her mother and her brother obviously if there's only one member of the family surviving then she gets it all so it is painted like she probably is trying to kill people off but um, we also know that she's got a psychologist who, who supports her theory mm-hmm. of a doppelganger. Eddie from It. Yes. Uh, I love the little, like, cast in here, because it's got um, the dude from Can't People, Speak in the Walls. People in the Stairs. stairs. Whelan, um, some, somebody, Sam, something Whelan. It's got a proper 90s cast. It's like... Yeah, it's awesome. Like, cast-wise, I don't think you can argue with cast-wise. Sally Kellerman, fantastic. Anyone who doesn't know Sally Kellerman, she's in a fantastic film with Jennifer Rubin called Victim of Beauty. And obviously Leslie Hope, who you don't like, is in a fantastic film with Alicia Witt called Fun. I, I know Fun. Yeah, she's the psychologist in Fun, um, or the interviewer. Um, so the cast is ridiculous. But yeah, and I think as it goes on, we start to learn that there is a double for Drew or Holler. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, oh, there is a doppelganger. Except it's not a doppelganger, is it? Just like half of the cast that we meet aren't real people. They're her psychologist in uniforms. <laughs> what I think is funny is, do you know like when um, Patrick breaks into the house and he sees everyone, mm-hmm. uh, all the kind of costumes, they've all got masks, except for Holly, which is just a pair of glasses and a scarf around a dummy. And you're like, <laughs> what? Oh, because he's wearing a Holly mask. Oh, okay. okay. Is, all the time we see this doppelganger as well, there's no one noticed the doppelganger's about a foot taller than Drew Barrymore. He's chasing after him at one point down the back alleys. At some point, you're going to see a doppelganger go, that's not the same person, because they're clearly yeah. a, foot taller, a foot taller. And as a doctor, he's also about half a foot wider than she is. He's drinking milk. If you look at the other characters that he plays, they're all of different heights and sizes. I will say, when he does the FBI agent, I piss myself every time. Is that the one where he's talking like a 1920s gangster? Go be in big trouble, see? Yes, that. Go be in a slammer, see? Yeah. It's the worst scene the in the film. Scene. <laughs> oh, 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 It is the worst scene in the film. 
Um, so I will forgive you for not liking that one part, but that's the only part that you're not allowed to like. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you what I do like. I, I enjoy kind of like the 90s monster vibe that it gives at the end where Holly turns into a doppelganger. The way that, like, it's all very, like, society and, like, beyond. You know, like, the way hands are going together and, like, twisting and there's all the slime yeah. and stuff. I love that. And I actually think when she splits into two, they're really fucking cute. Right, okay. So this bit, just, I mean, it had me howling, I'm not going to lie. For a start, she's got her arms up constantly, like she's being held there, and there isn't, there's no rope or anything around those arms. She could easily bring those down at any time. The fact that her clothing basically rips off her body, essentially, right? Because she'd have to, because you're not going to get it off without ripping it in the way it's coming off. Are we agreed on that? Mm-hmm. We're agreed? Okay, fantastic. So she splits into this doppelganger, which looks quite impressive, but there's a fucking hilarious bit where one of the skeletons does a Jason and the Argonauts and just whacks the other one away. <laughs> yes. Myself. Honestly, I was like, what the fuck is happening here? So obviously she goes and does all that. But when she melds back together, her clothes also fucking meld back together. It's like, bitch, they're ripped. Right. When the Incredible Hulk burst out of his clothes he normally comes back into some kind of clothes so when superman spins round or wonder woman spins round and changes their clothes they still get back into their other clothes which aren't there i don't accept that as an explanation either mercer i don't buy that when that happens with them either so no no more just a point after, after this reveal that it's actually the doctor doing all this why the fuck is she suddenly turning into a giant monster because throughout the film, we do see, like, snippets of, like, her hearing them weird voices, weird noises, and seeing herself as a doppelganger. And I think inherently there was something inside her, and, you know, he helped bring that out. I don't know. It's a fucking film, all right. It doesn't matter. Sorry, I was just, just going to say, because obviously with the doppelganger, we've, we've skipped the scene in the in the telephone sex office. Ah! where we find out that the doppelganger can be defeated by love. Legitimately what they were using the night is love to defeat everything. Um, I think the doppelganger, like the monsters, the doppelganger monsters, like they always remind me of like the um, uh, brains, 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 zombie oh, woman. from Mars Attacks. Yeah. 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 Um, but if you were if you were, if you were mashed with Hellraiser, maybe maybe or just like Bloodhead, like her when she's Bloodhead. No, and I do enjoy. So first of all, again, when she throws the Doctor out of the window, and it's that ridiculous dummy that lands <laughs> on the thing, that is funny. I'll give you that as well. Uh, what I do enjoy is like he stabs her a couple of times, and then when she wakes up, even though her clothes has fixed herself, a, a flesh doesn't because she's actually pumps out blood if she's going to die. And I, and this is one of the few times that I enjoy a fake off. Do you know, like, when that finishes and we go to the funeral. Which was very get... Heathers, by the way, that funeral. Very Heathers. I mean, it's a 90s film. I can't just keep using that as my excuse. No. <laughs> but I love this, the sexy drool part there where she comes back and she's all like, oh, yeah, mm, and, like, gets it on with him. And then... I couldn't work out why they gave her a massive beehive in that scene. Like, her hair is, like, three feet taller than it usually is, and she's got it cut short. So I'm like, why have you taken that approach? I didn't understand it. Because she'd probably finished filming, and then they called her back for some kind of reshoots. And you're like, fuck, I'm doing something else now. Fair enough. Um, 
shirt. I think there's a picture of her in a calendar that I used to have with that exact look. So I think maybe she'd just done a photo shoot and gone, oh, I'll just, we'll be fine. No one will notice. It's 90s. But I quite enjoy that. And then I do like the fact that she's not dead. So when we wake up and she's in hospital and that sweet moment where he puts the music box on for her and she wakes up and she starts flashback into how shit her life was and then just like decides to get rid of it all. Why does she break that music box? Because that music box is something her dad gave her. So it's a sus. She's, and I think she was clinging onto it before because of a misguided love towards her father. So, so Patrick, the whole way through, has understood her issues and blindly followed her on this theory to support her, knows what this music box means, so decides to open it up for her at the end. Like, what kind of sick bastard does that? No, because she tells him earlier, this is the, like, last thing my father gave me, nobody's allowed to touch this and I love it so much. So he disobeys her. Well done, Patrick. Shower shit. Patrick can't win, no. No. I mean, he did take advantage of her, I guess, when she was vulnerable. I thought he had a missus as well, I heard at the beginning. No, you thought yeah. it was the, you, you thought the best friend slash ex, you assumed they were still together, they're not. Because yeah. we have it, during the, during the 5,000 word essay, she gets out in the 30 seconds of dialogue she gives us there, a former couple. You can understand how I missed it, get, give it went, went by like a fucking racing car through my ears. She must have swallowed, swallowed up most of the budget because they clearly only had her for a certain amount of time and had to get what they could out of it. Reminds me of that scene in Inside Number 9 where Steve Pemberton's got to get all these words out before he gets off the banter. That's exactly what she was like. This entire conversation reminds me of sabotage and mutiny and insolence. Why are you getting so butthurt? I've said to you, I liked the film. I had a good time with the film. We pick apart the drone, we pick apart Savage because they're absolutely ridiculous, but they still end up being some of his favourite films because of that. I would love to get a whole fucking group of people round to watch Doppelganger after a few beers because, honestly, that would go down so well. It's that type of film. It's a midnight film, isn't it? It's a film for all times. <laughs> Especially the 90s. It was the best of times. It was the very worst of times. It's definitely got a 90s feel, but, you know, just to sum it up, that's part of the reason why I love it. You haven't you said know, that enough, anyone, by the way. No, but anyone who's listening to this, like you said earlier, it very much falls into the kind of films that I'm going to, like, have a bit of an obsession with. It stars one of my favourite people in of all time. Uh, so I, I obviously love it for that, regardless of what anyone says. I think it's fun. I think it's witter. I think the performances are fantastic, even if you don't. I love the cheesiness of it all. I love some of the corny dialogue. And I love the payoff. And I think, I, like you said, I think it's a fun movie that everyone needs to watch uh, and then just make your own opinions on it. By your own opinions, I mean, agree with my opinions. And I, can't, I, I can't be bought like that, Mercer. I'm not buying you. I'm not buying you. I'm not giving you money. I'm just offering you a lifetime of friendship or not. I'm joking. I just think it's fantastic. So I would vote for it. Right. So sticking with the chronological order, I guess it's my turn Next for best twin slash doppelganger. People may remember when we had our best winter horror, The Lodge. Yes. Everyone remembers The Lodge, don't they? Because it's absolutely spectacular. Well, those people who could see it at the time yeah, those remember who, The Lodge. Those people who could see it at the time. Those people, and for those people who think The Lodge is a bit too cheery, a bit too upbeat, they will be very happy with my pick now because it is 2004. 
14's Goodnight Mommy from Severin Viala and Veronica Franz. Take it a hold. No. The applause nope. Keep going, keep going. You will applaud. You will appreciate how brilliant this film is. It's a messer approach. Exactly. I'm just going to bully you into loving it. <laughs> Very quick rundown of the plot here. So we have twins, Lucas and Elias, who have shared a house just with their mother, played by Susan Vets. Essentially, the mother comes back to the house after a medical, what we're assuming is a medical procedure because she's bandaged up. She lives just alone with the twins, and essentially at this point, it's just the interplay between them and her. As they suspect she's not their mother, that she's been replaced by something else, and then things start to get creepy, and let's face it, get bleak and quite fucked up as we go along. So we all saw this at Celluloid? Yes. Did we all three of us were in the screening for this? We were. Right. So we all, we all remember the atmosphere in the screening for this film. Yes. And we all know how tense... You could hear a pin drop. Exactly. How tense and on edge and that sheer... That atmosphere and that sheer tension and dread that runs through the entire film. We should essentially just get the twist out of the way to begin with because you can't explain it's, the You can't speak about the film without explaining the twist. It's also not really a twist, is it? It's very obvious from, like, the get-go. I didn't find it that obvious when I watched it. Well, I was say, Lucas has died, so there's no, there's no two twins. There is only Elias there. And you say there, Mercy, you say it's, it's obvious from the, start, from the start. I think... Yeah, when there's, you know there's, yeah, there's clues. Yeah, there's clues in there. And if, and if you're sitting there looking for a twist, then you might, then I imagine you could pick it up. Hmm. I don't think you need to look for a twist. There's not a single person in the film and there's multiple people who come across them children who acknowledge Lucas. But that's the thing. When I was watching it first time, I thought the whole reason that he wasn't getting acknowledged was because she was twisted. Like, she was messed up inside and that's why she was ignoring that's him. That's the thing, like... Because they, they do make references to it. They do make references to it. And... It can be explained, I guess, if you weren't looking for it. Well, they do explain it away. And let's face it, when he says us or we or Lucas... She acknowledges She acknowledges it. She doesn't, she doesn't say... She doesn't blanket. She... As you find out, she's... Well, you, you will find out she goes along with it. But for his sake, she plays along. But the delivery driver also doesn't acknowledge... Lucas, and neither do the two uh, Red Cross collection people. But Lucas, you know, when, they, when they have those visits, Lucas is often hanging around the edge of frame. He's often, he's enough in eyeline that he's there, that he's there, but you can easily understand why they don't acknowledge him. I don't, no, I, don't feel the need to, I don't feel the need to walk into a room and go, hello you, and hello you over there. The delivery man stood, like, directly in front of him. I and he turns around and has a conversation with Elias. Yeah, so why yeah, does I, he have to acknowledge Lucas, because at all. Right? Don't we acknowledge each other? I agree with you, Mercer. So you... Try this, and in future, I'm not going to acknowledge you at all, but all this there, speak to fear. That's not how the world works, is it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying, I thought it was pretty obvious. There was I... everything pointed towards there not being a, a, a second twin for me. There are some times when you go into a film, and I think I've said this before, there are some times when I will go into a film, and if I've heard there's a twist or something... I will constantly be looking for it. I'll go around what's going to happen. Like, like that scene in IT crowd, there's a twist. 
Is this a twist? I'll go, I, I'll go through all these scenarios in my mind, but there are some times I will just sit down and get totally so engrossed in a film that I'm not looking for those signs. And Goodnight Mommy was one of them where it was where I was watching it. And because she was, she was acknowledging that there were two of them, I wasn't picking up when outsiders were coming in and not acknowledging one of them because to me it was just like, it's just plodding along. But I, I get how it could be obvious to someone, absolutely. It just wasn't to me. It's not a bad thing. It just happens to be what it is. And if when you do go back and watch it, absolutely you can see all those uh, Yeah, and I think you see how well it's written when you go back and watch to see how they worked around all that. Mercy, you can't be laughing about things which are badly written. Not on today's episode. Listen, we're all allowed as own opinions, right? Opinions, not facts. Remember that. But you did say that um, we weren't allowed to diss certain stuff, so maybe you're not allowed to diss this. Then I shall... My, my, how the turntables... I'm not dissing it. I, I just... All I was saying is, I thought, for me, there was an obvious twist. And I remember okay. the first time I watched it, the very first, because it's the first, I took, we took, I took Carl to this one, because um, we only came to see this film, and it literally, I think we were 10 minutes in when I turned around to Carl and went, there's only one of them, you know. Um, and I didn't know nothing about the film. Did so... you not watch it as celluloid? He did, that's what I was saying. Oh, okay, yes. Let's move away from the, the twist then and how good... How good the setup is or may not be for it, depending on your viewpoint and whether you think Doppelganger is a good film. <laughs> the, the, the best thing about Goodnight Mommy for me, I mean, aside from the scenes that come towards the end, because they are horrific, I think, um, but it's the sound design. I think the sound design is amazing in this. It manages to be so quiet whilst also being the most loudest thing ever they they love the they love the quiet location it just it, but, but it's just it it booms it, it's almost like some sort of undercurrent in the sound and i know that films i've, well, I've read about this that films have been you known to use that before where they will use a sound so low that you won't pick up on it this is probably like one of you know everybody probably knows this and it's just me discovered this a few months back but they'll do um like a bass that's so low you won't hear it but it, you'll still recognise it and it gives you that feeling of dread and keeps you on edge. And I think this does it. Well, let's face it, Thingy Bob did the tantrum, the curse. Yes. The curse yes. film, which ran through how, which was a perfect fun film, then ruined ruined the film by going through and telling you how they did everything, which no one wants to see after you just don't know what to do. I still love it. quite right, the sound design is really good. And it's just, the whole thing is just cold and just this bleak. And let's face it, Elias is a stone cold. I would say psychopath. I'm not sure. Correct term. Sociopath, psychopath. Well, yeah, but he's been through a lot. It's it's not like he's just a bad kid. He's been through a lot. True, but we don't know the circumstances of Elias' yeah. death, which I think when we see what Lucas does to the torture, the bug set with the magnifying glass or the cat they find. Yeah, I guess. Let's face it. I'm not completely certain that the, um, Lucas... Yeah, she the, says it's, it wasn't your fault as well, which makes me think, but she, was it? I mean, she says that, but she's also wandering in and finding a cat that's been drowned in a tank of water. And that, that's the brilliant thing about it, is that it makes you believe that the mum's somehow done that, that the mum's responsible for all this stuff. It, see, it's bizarre with the mum, because the mum's, I think, not a very good mother, because she does go off and leave a child alone in a house while she goes in house. What I thought was plastic surgery because she's a TV star. So 
probably in my mind it was like something to improve her physicality so that she could continue to work in her career and it's it felt a bit bizarre the way that he was so desperate to have his nice mum back but I almost feel like she would probably never that nice to both of them yeah absolutely right she she does come across as quite cold with them I mean there's a scene where um she finds that he's got the cat under his bed and the way she jumps on him straight away is if she's just going to hurt him and then have to physically pull herself away if it did come to it that he was responsible for his twin brother's death then you can kind of see how she got that resentment as well and that's maybe why she is the way she is it also does that clever thing in the art that he's got around the house where it doesn't show her face and you don't see her face for a long time so that you you're tricked into saying well is this their mom or is it Mm. something else entirely I mean, I think the film would have been good if it had gone in that direction anyway. Well, they do. They have that trail at one point where they lead it that way when she goes into the woods, Mm -hmm. when she strips off and they just do the juddering face when she's taking off the bandages as if it could be could be something else. I do also think that scene as well is like a coping mechanism for her. I think that's her trying to strip herself of everything that she feels is like holding her and, you know, and, you know, wrapping her up. That she just goes and has to be free for that time and just be herself. Was it not a dream sequence? I thought that was one of the young boys' dream sequences. No, I didn't think it were. Had the head, the like um, Silent Hill head. No, it just I mean, it just cuts. It just cuts after. It doesn't give any indication that it would. It is the dream sequence when it comes away yeah. from it. Well, if it is, it is. You know, that was just what it meant. That's that was just what I took from it. No right or wrong. Just what I took from it. I do think the mother's really good. I'm not going to lie to you. My my feelings towards this film are a bit meh. Like, I don't like it for quite a while, and then it kicks in, and I'm really on board, and then it, I hate how it ends. Like, the actual ending. Not not the not the build-up to the ending, but the actual end shot of the film, I fucking despise. But I can't take away, like, what you said. Like, it's stunningly shot. The location's fantastic. The mother, in particular, is excellent in her job. I think it's interesting because uh, I did read that the actors weren't given a script, so they didn't improvise, but they were given what they filmed when they filmed it. Right. So they they also probably didn't know where the story was going. Okay. And it was shot chronologically. So, you know, they couldn't, you know, it's not like they shot the end and then went back. So I think, and I like that because that means that we get to see an actual genuine progression mm. of the uh, and the actors are genuinely progressing with us, which I think yeah. is a nice thing sometimes, because you know, it's not a I've not lost my voice because I've been screaming too much, yeah. so no, quite like that, so I think, yeah, it looks good, and I think the actual see, the kids I can't work out whether they're good actors or not, at some points I think yes, and some points I think that's terrible um, but I think what they do, or what Elias does is fucking brutal she's she's gone to bed and they they've basically um reached peak at this point where they well when you think it's they they don't believe that it's their mom so uh, they've ran away and been returned home by the local police man and he bombs his way through the house she goes to bed thinking everything's fine she wakes up and she's tied to the bed and he's tied her jaw and he's tied her arms and her legs as much as a kid can and um, somebody comes to the house, and so so they have a tape. They have a mouth taped originally. Yes. So to stop her screaming, but 
that unfortunately manages to get work off the the tape. And in an effort to keep her quiet, they super glue her mouth together. Now we've we've said this a million times over. As a hardened horror crowd, there isn't much that shakes you. There isn't much that affects you. This scene just goes through me. It actually goes through me, and it's so simple and so effective to just start cutting into the glue, and you're just concerned about how close it is to her skin and what's going to happen, and then obviously they, they cut a bit too deep and the blood just comes gushing. And you have a whole room of horror fans go, ooh! It's nasty. It's a nasty scene for something so simple. It's amazing the reaction it gets. See, I think even pre that, the scene where he burns her with the magnifying glass. Oh, yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. That's, for me, like, I think that's worse because, like, that slow build of burning pain. Like, have you ever held a magnifying glass on yourself? No. No, because you're not sick in head. So I have. You can do it for so long before you go, oh, no. No, 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 that does burn. Is it at this point as well where they start flossing their teeth? It's right after they cut, cut them out. Which... I wait for the show what we're happening in there. You can't you can't see what they're doing. It doesn't show you what they're doing, but you know it, it is implied that the floss, and you can just imagine how deep they're going down into the gum, and that goes through me oh. as well. I know they're just they're just ensuring good dental hygiene. <laughs> it's horrible, like I say, so simple but so good. She gets untied by them when she agrees to play play along with the fact that Lucas is not dead. Well, you, you think she's think that, until she goes to make a she goes to make a break for it. And then she runs into the wire and smacks straight on the patio. And it cuts just before her head hits the board. But you know for a fact that was fucking killer. And right. then she wakes up and she's glued, glued to, to the floor. Glued to the floor. Right. Now this, the ending here, it's one of the things. I don't remember this as the ending, oddly enough. We both said last night we don't think this was the ending we saw. Did you watch it on Amazon? Yes. Yes. There's two versions on Amazon, one at 96 minutes and one at 101 minutes. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have thought that they'd have added anything onto the ending or taken from the ending. So I assume something's been put in the middle of it. I don't know. I do remember this one. But maybe we're misremembering. Yeah, it might, it might well be. It's so brutal, I've probably blocked, blocked out. Because yeah. obviously she's super glued to the floor. We've got Elias there and she's pleading, saying, look, we can go back, do... Do things how we used to. He's there. Uh, it's at this point it's confirmed the, that the that one of the twins is dead because yeah. she says, "I'll I'll pretend again if that's what it takes. I'll pretend he's still here." So yeah, confirmed. Well, yeah, because we have we have Elias step out. Oh, sorry, we have yeah Elias step out of the way to reveal Lucas is standing behind where he wasn't before the show that yeah. he clearly couldn't have been there. So and then we have Elias asking his mum, "What is Luke, what's Lucas doing at the moment?" in order to get her to say, right, if you can just play along that well, then maybe this can work. But she can't because obviously she can't see him. And we set, he sets, walks around setting light to various parts of the furniture. And then the big tank that's filled with fluid explodes and his mother goes up in flames. Much like St. Maud. Much like that St. Very St. Maud. Kind of, yeah, very... That is definitely a person on fire kind of thing. Um, yeah. I know you said you didn't like the ending here coming up, Mercer. Yeah. Go on, tell us. For me, it just felt cheesy. So after all that brutality, 
And I know the idea is obviously Elias really just wants his family back and he wants to live that perfect, happy family life. And that picture that they present to us at the end where they, they woke up to the mother and they all turn around and face the camera uh-huh. is like that perfect family life, the back. It just felt so cheesy to me, just the way that they were all just stood awkwardly staring at the camera. We thought it because they're dead and they've all been yeah, reunited. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. Mercer just finds it a little bit too on the nose cheesy. Okay. But... Just considering what's just happened, and I guess it's probably like again sometimes like when people make movies or any you know when something's been pretty tense and emotional, they need to kind of give us a little bit of an uplift sometimes, don't they? But, you know, I think this film could have done without it. And I think that a bleak ending for me would have worked better than this kind of like, oh, they're reunited in heaven ending because I don't care. I love the fact they've learned their lesson by the time they come to the lodge because that ending is anything but uplifting. <laughs> I get what you mean. and I, I, I don't have a problem with the ending. I think sometimes, like you said, when you've had, when you've had something impact you that much, I think you need that split second just to have something calm you down essentially just bring you back around a bit i mean the lodge like i said the lodge doesn't do that at all no the lodge like, fucking builds your blood pressure up and leaves it up there that is staying there that is not going down play me some nice music over credit scenes <laughs> that's all you need to do i don't need to see a happy family like it's just it's the awkward gaze into the camera and i know that they purposely did that for an extended amount of time to create a sense I think they did it to create a sense, a sense of awkwardness for us because it's not an, a comfortable picture it's like a fake happy family but it still just felt a little bit out of place for me within the film because it was I don't think we ever really got a moment of a happy family in the film so I don't know maybe 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 now that I've said it out loud about how it's not really a happy family <laughs> It sounds a bit better than what I saw, but I just felt, yeah, a little bit... Mm. Do you just talk yourself around? Is that what just happened? I think I'm, yeah, I just talked myself around a little bit to not hating it, but just not liking it. Okay. That's fine. I, I can understand where you're coming from. I've got no, I've got no issue with the final shot. But um, that's just a sum of gorgeous, beautiful, bleak, brilliantly acted, traumatising. What's not the love about... Good night, mommy. And that's why it should be voted best twin slash doppelganger. My pick will come as no surprise. I think I mentioned it quite recently that I didn't want to do this and then said when I was going to do it, you could all expect an hour show just from me. I'm not going to do that to you. I have, of course, gone for the 2019 Jordan Peele directed us. I'll hold for applause. Thank you very much. If I don't get a fucking applause, I swear to God, someone do it. You, you little. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. I know you always wanted it, but this film genuinely deserves it. Um, we probably all know the story of us. So the story focuses on Adelaide or Addie who goes to the Santa Cruz uh, beach fair with the parents of the child and ends up wandering off into one of the attractions and um, we're led to believe that she sees somebody who looks just like her in this attraction. Cut to years later, uh, Addie's got her own family and they go to 
their holiday home and her husband, Gabe, wants to go to the Santa Cruz beach. Uh, Addie's very nervous about this because of what happened when she was a child. And then when they get to the beach, they start noticing all these weird coincidences, these weird things happening. It turns out that there have been underground tunnels throughout Santa Cruz where people have... what. Essentially, people have been experimented on. Um, the scientists believe that they could somehow control the people above whilst using the people below. And they have now had an uprising and gone, no, I'm not having this. And they've come to the surface intent on offing their tethered, essentially. Um, I'm sure you all knew that because you must have watched this film about 15 times like I have. Because I love it. It's one of my favourite films ever. Um, this. I, there, there is nothing about us that I don't like. It's a sharp script. It's an interesting story. It's layered. It's jam-packed full of Easter eggs. Amazing soundtrack. It's oh, it, And I learn something new every time, much like with Midsommar, much like with Hereditary. It's one of those films that I want to keep going back to because of how interesting it is. Do you have any thoughts at this point? No, I'm good. It's all right. All right. Leave me to with it then. Absolutely fine. I will, um, I will say I, I personally enjoyed us. So I have the same problem with this film as what I had with Get Out, which is the injection of humour into the film. I don't really enjoy that. Uh, I don't feel the film needs it. I quite like the darkness of the film, and I know... I know everyone's going to disagree with me and I know everyone thinks that sometimes we need that break to, you know, sort ourselves out. I'm just one of them people who I just feel sometimes like if, if I want to be miserable, like just let me be miserable. Don't try and make me laugh. I, I don't think it's necessarily the humour is injected there as um, comic relief in the film. For me, it's in there because of Jordan Peele's writing style and Jordan Peele's history and comedy. And I think that's why it's got those points made. I, I don't think us ever really feels, not like on the level of Goodnight Mommy, I don't think it feels at the point where it's that that tense I think it, that you have to break it. I think it feels, yeah. Um, I, 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 are you looking at me weird, Mercer? I mean, there are tense parts in it, and there, there are like, oh, parts in it, but I don't think it's necessarily on the same level of nastiness as Goodnight Mommy. It, it feels more like a a mainstream Hollywood yeah. film, so it's not got that bleakness that you'd put with an independent, an independent. It, it's studio. much, it's, it's much more for me as a straight horror film. Whereas I think Goodnight Mommy and stuff like that wants to like Hereditary maybe wants to like kind of get under your skin. I think with, I think Get Out plays it as more, more much more of just a straight horror. Okay, interesting. I personally feel like in in like levels of tenseness on a personal op- opinion I would find us and the way us is shot and the way the story of us is told a lot more tense than I do Goodnight Mummy oh. so obviously it's just a preference and an opinion thing mm-hmm. so that's, that's interesting because yeah I feel I, I, I get quite tense when I'm watching us I think there's some really scary moments in us not that I get scared because I don't get scared but I think there are moments in it that, you know, do make me, like, clench my teeth a little bit. I'm not saying it's not tense. 
I'm just saying I don't think for me it doesn't feel the same tense as I'm shooting Goodnight Mommy as an example it doesn't feel it's it, basically what you're saying is you don't actually love it as much as you're saying you love it bitch obviously with us as there are with many films of late you know that especially like Get Out and such like that and Midsummer and whatnot there are so many easter eggs in it like um these references in us to Lost Boys and you know you, you've got all the videotapes when Addie's watching Hands Across America I mean that, that's the point of us is, is obviously the I don't is it too early to explain the ending yeah I yeah. think so I think so so like like the, you've got all these references in there things that are leading you to what the end is ultimately going to be um but some of the some of the shots that are thrown in there to give you that idea are just fucking incredible like one's so simple it's when they're on the beach and she's talking to elizabeth moss's character okay and the frisbee gets thrown and it lands directly onto the circle yeah i didn't get that it is, it's, was, it's the joining up. It's essentially one circle joining another. It could also be a representation of the tunnels that go underground and when they're on the beach and they're talking to um, Jason, the twins are talking to Jason and they turn around and say, what's wrong with your brother? And she's like, no, just dig, he likes to dig tunnels and stuff like that, hinting that maybe he has got some connection with what's going on. Like maybe he's got some sort of... Not repressed memory, but like some sort of DNA, physical DNA connection with his mom and what her past ultimately turns out to be. Clever, clever stuff. I, li- I like, um, like I said it before, like we know that every kind of shot that Jordan Peele does, as it's it's there for a reason and it's got mm-hmm. a meaning. And a lot of it like preempts what we see, especially in us, what we see later in the film. Yes. Um, and I enjoy that because it does, you know, it, it, it doesn't try to hide anything from us. It just says, yeah, there you go. That, that's the beauty, yeah. It, it doesn't hide anything. And then when you go back and see it, when you know what the ending is, you're like, oh, so fucking clever. That's just so good. Like, one of my favourite shots is when they're on the beach and they're walking towards uh, where Kitty is and her husband, and you see their shadows at the side of them showing the tethered. It's, it's just so clever. I love it. You see eleven eleven everywhere. That's... That's a given. And I won't bore you yes. with, like, the reasons behind 11.11. Look it up. It's, and because uh, it, what I learned from this watch, which and we talked about this the other day at Celluloid, it surprised me, is that e- even extended beyond the family that you're watching, there are reasons in, in the names behind the tether that they're given. So, um, I, I mean, again, I'm not going to bore you with all of these because that could go on for, like, 20-odd minutes. But if, if you want me to explain it, hit me up on Twitter and I will gladly tweet for hours about this song. I'll write it all. I'll, I'll send you a thesis. I'll just send it, I'll send it you all through and you can all read it at your leisure. It's fine. Um, but yeah, back to the film. It, it is clever in that. I love the, oh my God, the, the soundtrack as well. It's incredible. And just to talk about the, the hints that we get from Adelaide that show she is who she is. I think it's fine time to come to me. Yeah. You know, yeah? So we do we do find out that what has happened is when Addie went to the fun fair as a child, she was attacked by her tethered. And there was something special about them. The, the, the reason that they met in the middle was because they, they knew to meet in the middle. And she attacks her and ties her up in the tunnel whilst Red 
goes and lives in the outside world. So then when Red starts dancing above, she connects with Abby below and the tethered see something in her that they haven't seen in anybody else. So they start to make her sort of like a, a, a Jesus-like figure and say, we're going to follow you into whatever you want to do here, this plan, because they've been deserted at this point underground. They've just been left to fend for themselves. So she's taking care of them. And the only thing she knows from being a child is watching, um, well, obviously what's come before, but the last one of the last things she saw was an advert for Hands Across America. And she was wearing the T-shirt for it as well. So her plan is when, when they can, they're going to go up there and they are going to form this union to take over all the tethered above because it's their time to go up there. Again, with the references, they quote a lot of Goonies in it to the point where even the takeaway that they're having is called Copper Pots, which I think is amazing. But this is my favourite thing about the film. It's the way that Lupita takes both those characters and does it so subtly that it isn't until you go back that you realise you are watching The Bad Tethered. You're watching Red, not Addy. There's a, a really... I didn't realise this until second watch, and then maybe, you know, like, sometimes you start overthinking things or whatever, but the scene just before, like, the Tethered family come and um, Adelaide, or Red, is telling her husband about what happened to her, and she stood in front of the mirror, and we actually watched the story being told from the mirror. Mm. So she's speaking, like, oh, it's to a window, a mirror, whatever, but window. we watch a reflection talking, which indicates she's not Adelaide, the girl on the outside. She was the girl in the mirror, and she's telling it from, like, the wrong point of view because she's not where she should be. In that scene as well, you can hear from the way that... I'm going to say Ada, because we know it's red, but Ada. You can hear the way that she's talking to Gabe. It's very, I don't... What? And there's, like, these pauses, the tiny little pauses, but you pick up on them the second time. It's because she's learning. She's like a foreign person who's speaking broken English because she she hasn't actually known it since birth because none of them in the underworld can do that and she eats differently to them as well she doesn't eat all the processed food she'll eat like the the strawberries and stuff like that it's, oh she's so clever there's so much i want to say about this film i've not got time to go into it i understand that but yeah her performance in it is absolutely incredible and then when they get together to do that ballet scene it is i, I know it's a horror film it's gonna sound pretentious as fuck it's one of the most beautiful scenes I fucking love that ballet dance between them. It is incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. It really I is. Yeah. And you, and you um, see then as well, you can see Red, air quotes, how she moves compared to how Addy moves. Addy's like, ugh, and banging against stuff. Whereas Red, air quotes, is the one who's controlling it. She's the more composed yeah. one. She moves like a dancer. It's so fucking good. I mean, we, we, haven't, even got, we haven't got to the scene in Kitty's house, which is amazing by the way. Let's talk about performances for a second, because I do think everyone's really good apart from them twins, who aren't <laughs> very good until they are the tethered. Mm. And, I only just read this, but you probably already know, that they were Baby Emma in yes, Friends. Yes, I knew that. I'm like, are you serious? That's the only reason they got this gig, right? Because they ain't acting very well. Um, I just think they're a bit annoying, but when they become the actual, when they're the tethered, the way that they move is incredible. You know, like with all that, because I know they do backflips on the beach and stuff, handstands on the beach, but there's something so sinister about like, these greasy haired, dungaree wearing girls like flipping through house while they're walking through. It's like a, it's like a video game or something. 
Well, that's so the thing cool. about, if you notice about all of the tethered, they are unkempt. Like, they, they, they keep it really, really specific as well. Like, the fact that um, Red's hair, because obviously she needs special, you look at Adelaide's hair and it's beautiful and she's got, you know, the product that you need for black hair. Addie's is all mattered because she's never been able to take care of it because they don't have that down there. The only thing she can do is snip it. That's it. So, it, and, and even down to the twins and Kitty, they've all got this beautiful hair. And they're all fucked up and greasy from the underworld. I love that whole scene in the house. Just from start to finish, it's incredible. The fact that the um, twins just turn up from behind and just, like, slash them sort of thing. And yeah. you've got Kitty who's messing up her own face. because Not Kitty. Um, Dahlia is her tethered name. So you've got Dahlia who's messing up her face because that's what Kitty did when she had her surgery. And... It, it, you, another pop reference thrown in is when Jason turns up and starts holding that um, ornament as a weapon. He's actually dressed like Jordan Peele when he went to accept his award because that's what Jordan Peele was wearing. So clever. And the art, the art in it as well. Like, oh, it's amazing. So it's in Kitty's house. It's in their beach house. And I spotted it somewhere else the other day. They have almost like, I, I don't know if you call them slates, like pieces of slate, shell. And they, they're on they're on wires, so they hang on wires coming down. And especially in Kitty's house, it looks like a build up from the bottom going up to the top, like it's uprising. So to me, that signifies the tethered coming up. It does. I'm not looking for this stuff. It's there. It's there in plain sight. Stop laughing at me. I can't help it. I've watched it too many times. And then I went to, I went to put the DVD on, and I had up in my DVD player. Coincidence. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Seriously, guys, don't take the piss about us. Don't do it. I can't handle it. I, no, please don't. Um, I gotta say, as the tethered Shahada, right, the daughter Zora, mm-hmm. when she's um Umbre, that is that is the freakiest character in that entire film. I think I love her smile she does, and the way she's like, even like when um you know like when uh, Adelaide. Stroke Red tells um, Zola to run, and she kind of like walks out, and she lets her get quite far away before she goes. Now I'm coming for you, and I just love that entire craziness and the fact that she doesn't really speak. Mm. She just holds that. I mean, none of them speak, but she doesn't even make like as many grunts as anyone else. Only yeah. when she gets killed, which is a weird um, opposite because the actual daughter can't get off the telephone. Yeah, can't can't stop messing, can't stop speaking. The um the, the right. attention to detail in their tethers are amazing. Like da- down to Jason and Pluto, where he's constantly flicking the magic trick on his finger, whereas obviously for Pluto that's working because he's lighting fires left, right, and centre. Mm-hmm. And again, something else I noticed on this because I, I know like obviously you're supposed to be connected to your tethered, and it makes me think that whatever was in Red and Addy has passed on to Jason and Pluto because. He cottoned on quite early that he could make Pluto do what he wanted, that he could take control of it, which is what happened between Addy and Red. So when he stands up and starts walking away and he walks into the fire, he knows. He knows that's going to happen. And I also saw that that was preempted in the twins with how when you see the twins on the beach, the real twins, how connected they are. When they're doing the jinx thing, they're saying it exactly at the same time in the exact same tone. So it makes me think that. When you're younger, like Addy and Red were, that's when it's the most strongest, and that's why Jason and Pluto end up the way they are. 
again, something new on every watch. Every time. I know that I've, like, took hold of this conversation. No, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, more, than, I'm more than welcome to, because although, although I really enjoy us, it's, it's no Get Out. So. Well, Get Out isn't in this episode, Chris, so we're not really comparing the two. Also interesting, because I prefer us to Get Out. Me too. It just feels more like a classic horror to me, us. Get, Get Out was more of a statement, which I love, and you know I love, because I love the bones of Get Out. But I think us feels more of a horror film. And ladies and gentlemen, shock, shock, horror. We've got a Twilight Zone connection. You knew it was going to happen. It happens every single fucking episode. But I am 100% convinced that when Addy, air quotes, is going to the down to, to the tunnels underground, that the music that is playing sounds exactly the same as the music that is playing on Twilight Zone, the movie Terror at... 30,000 feet, it sounds exactly the same. And given that Jordan Peele went on to do Twilight Zone, maybe wasn't a coincidence. And the fact that Pluto as well, the bottom half of his face looks like the eye of the beholder masks, which again, probably not a coincidence, probably, probably not an accident. Yeah. Do you have anything to say, guys? <laughs> again? <laughs> no? No, I mean, you've you covered it in such depth. I mean, I do, I, I, I joke that it's no get out. I mean, I do prefer get out, but it's still a really good film. I say it's it's very much while while there's all the hidden stuff there for you to follow and all the hints and bits and pieces, it is very much works as a what you see is what you get horror film as well. It works on level for people who just want to go and watch a Saturday night horror film, hmm. or if you want to see everything can burrow down into it deeper. Just before I go ahead and give my closing speech on it, I will say that, Mercy, you did mention the other day as well, the same feeling as me, in that the end shot is absolutely amazing. Because obviously at the end, um, Addy kills Red or whichever way you want around to end of it. And Jason is in the um, locker listening to it all. And he doesn't quite trust her. Jason doesn't trust her throughout, in my opinion, but this is where it comes to peak trust issues. And they get in the car at the end and that's, they get in the, van or whatever at the end and that's when you learn the twist that she was the one who got out of there and that Addie was the one who got took down with a, a throat fucked up which is why she talks the way she does we're not going into the talking part I skillfully moved over that part for Chris's benefit so no uh no judgment can be given on that so when you come to the end shot it's uh them driving away and much like the invitation it pans out and this destruction is just everywhere. My Rudolph's mom sang that, by the way. I have a question for you. Who do you root for in this film? Adelaide or Red? Well, Red, I guess. Once you know, Red. Look at the destruction that Red actually causes worldwide. Oh. Whereas Adelaide... Or oh, red, sorry. Well, wait, which is red? Which which red do you mean? Do you mean the real red or the fake red? <laughs> I was going to say the fake red that I should go for, but both of them have been put in unfair circumstances and they were children. So it's not really, it's not really something you can blame either of them for. If you're stuck underground through no fault of your own, by being a, an experiment, you're going to try and get out of there. And I think you're not going to blame anyone for wanting to get out of there. And at the same time, if you've been taken to an underground tunnel as a child, you're going to want revenge. When, 
when she does it on the underground, the, at the start though, when she when she grabs hold of it, she looks truly evil. She looks like she's really enjoy, enjoying it. That's not a because uh, if she wanted to get out of there, she could just go, "Hey, look, I'm I'm here in this tunnel. Let's go out together." She deliberately. I'm assuming from the way that they have been experimented on, it is basically they've been given an us and them mentality. Yeah, I know, but she was genuinely gleeful and about the fact that she's getting out of there and using Adelaide to replace her. Maybe because she realises at this point what she's got in terms of power. I, I don't know. It's a hard one to call. Um, I, think, I, I think you have to feel for both of them, personally. But I can also oh, see why, like Chris says, why it might be that she might just be evil. Hmm. Why? What were your thoughts? I didn't know because I, I like all the way through the film. Obviously, other than the hint, you're rooting for the above ground Adelaide, um, aka Wed, because she's the victim um, almost. And then when we find out, when it's confirmed that actually, you know, she took the life of the actual Adelaide and put her into underground you're like oh so i can understand why she wants to uprise i can't understand the carnage that she causes i can understand why she wants to uprise um and she says it herself like she says to her when they're just before they have that fight dance she's like you could have taken me with you yeah like we've just gone together so yeah maybe she is evil then maybe and like you say as well throughout the film she she protects herself rather than children like the way she kills the people it's not because she's protecting herself it's because she's hiding her secret the entire scenario with her the reason she don't want to go to the beach everything is because she's hiding her secret yeah all life she's been you know knows that she's done something bad yeah well anyway mm, yeah there you go but to, to sum up um there's not really much more I can say that I haven't said already. Us is an incredible film that you will take away something new every time you watch it. It's for me out of the whole the whole the selection of films that we have watched this week. It does feel like the most horror film. It feels like that kind of not party horror, but because that's obviously Mercer's that goes to you this week. But <laughs> it, it feels like. <laughs> It feels like the most horror to me, and I think you should, if, if not for my burning passion for the film alone, you should absolutely vote for us as your favourite doppelganger film. As your favourite what film? Doppelganger. Doppelganger. Doppelganger, yeah? Doppelganger. Just keep saying it, everyone. Doppelganger. You can't Darren Brown your way to victory versus no. this week. I, 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 I never get a victory anyway, really, do I? So I'm used to it now. You had a victory a week ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Six weeks ago in reality. That's everything on our episode there. Like, so we'll open up the polling as normal. Please vote and let us know why you've chosen one that you have. Although, let's face it, from our <laughs> re- listener feedback earlier. No one's no, getting no, a vote. No one, <laughs> No one's getting too excited. So please, please just disregard that. Please, please let us know what you voted for and why you picked it. If you want to get in touch with us for any other reason, you can always find us on the socials. We're at Spit Graves on both Twitter and Instagram. I spit on your graves on Facebook. And should you need to email us, you can reach us at electricpossums at gmail.com. And please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe.
until next time, we will say goodbye. Auf Wiedersehen. Damn, I was going to say Auf Wiedersehen. Um, Bye. Bye.